630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Carolina back on her heels in her own zone and a crowd loving it here. A turnover on the wall. Skating in. Shooting. Burakovsky scores! Andre Burakovsky with a shimmy to the front of the net in Game 7. It's one Washington! Here in this deciding game seven. Away down to center ice for Alex Ovechkin who goes inside out against the defender to the front of the net. They score! Tom Wilson on a play from Ovechkin! John Walton from the Capitals Radio Network. The first two goals of game seven tonight. It is now 3-1. Capitals leading Carolina. Six minutes left in the second period. Oil Kings just getting underway at Rogers Place as they take on the PA Raiders and the Oil Kings up two games to one in that best of seven. Colton Pareko from the St. Louis Blues will join us in this half hour of Inside Sports as the Blues get set to take on Dallas in round two. That series will start tomorrow. A lot of good uh, discussion and ideas here about NHL video review in the wake of last night's controversial five-minute cross-checking call against Cody Aiken of the Vegas Golden Knights that ultimately led to them uh, losing the lead in that game and then eventually losing in overtime. You can get me at 780-496-0063. By the way, the Blue Jays lost earlier today 4-0 to the Giants. We have Bruce on line four. Hi, Bruce. Go ahead. Hi, Reed. How's it going? Quite well. Good, good. Um... Well, I think it's pretty common knowledge that that was a real horse crap call. Um, I saw no less than 12, probably 25 similar cross-checks in different situations. don't see how it's a whole bunch different than clearing in front of the crease. Uh, he stood up from the face-off and gave him a little shove to get him out of the way. I think where the problem fell was that he fell across, I think it was Stastny's legs or whatever, and flipped him upside down and knocked his arms out of the way, and he landed on his face. Stuff happens. Uh, I don't see where that was a penalty whatsoever. I feel really badly that the, that Pavelski was hurt and et cetera, et cetera. I don't see it was even a two-minute penalty, never mind a five-minute penalty, and definitely not a five-minute major. Sorry about Pavelski's luck. Like, I, I, so how, I would you, how would you like to see these kind of situations avoided in the future, Bruce? Do you think it's avoidable? No, it's a contact sport. To be perfectly honest with you, Reed, I, uh, I remember in high school I played basketball, which is a non-contact sport, or so they'd like well, you to think. Well, theoretically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I saw almost the exact same thing happen. Two guys were going up for a rebound, and one bumped the other guy, and the one guy fell over one of my teammates' legs and landed on his head. He was knocked out cold on the basketball court. Sorry about your luck. There was no foul. Nobody got expelled from the game or, you know, the suspension or anything like that. Things happen. 
Do you think that um, the NHL should review five-minute majors or or penalties in general with video? No. Okay. Uh, like the previous guy was saying, maybe have a another uh, ref up in the up in the you know press box or whatever, looking down from above. I think that's a really good solution. And if he spots something, he can radio down to the scorekeeper and hey, two minutes ago there was this penalty right here. Blah blah blah. That's probably not a terrible idea, but I'll bet you a hundred to one that ref up in the stands would have said, "What are you guys doing? That's not a penalty at all." Bruce, thanks, man. Yeah, you bet, Reed. Have a great night, sir. Want to remind you, some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Don't forget about their brunch, Northern Chicken-style buttermilk biscuits, sausage gravy, and smashed potatoes, Sundays, 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., northchickenyeg.com online. We have Mark at 780-496-0063. Hi, Mark. Hey, Reed. How are you? Quite well. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm calling, I mean... I really don't want to comment on that too much. It's it's just that how these things can change, not only a game, not only a series, but I would I would go so far as to say uh, uh, the path that some of these organizations take after something like this happens. Um, and, and and where I want to bring it to is is to the Anaheim series with the Oilers, but before that would be the the probably the worst officiated game in NBA history. 2002 Sacramento Kings and Los Angeles Lakers game six. Now I talked to Bob a little bit about that this afternoon, but I didn't get to this part of the point. The point is, is that Sacramento in that game, and I'm a, I'm a Lakers fan. I wanted the Lakers to win, but uh, the, Sacramento was never the same. They were the top team in the league that year. They dominated the Lakers in that series. And in the last, in the, in the second last game of that series, they had a 3 2 uh, lead in the series. The last four or five minutes, they never got a call. And I mean, it was blatant. I mean, you had Kobe Bryant elbowing people in the face, you had uh, just blatant hacks, and the call wasn't just going, you know. They were calling the Lakers and saying, "Okay, do your free throws, uh, Sacramento." No, no, they were giving the Kings the, uh, the 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 fouls on the on those instances. It was just insane. Well, what happened at the end of that? The Kings were never relevant after that series. They were never relevant again. Now, I want to throw a hypothetical out for you, Reed. Let's just say, for argument's sake, that the league doesn't screw up that last call in the Anaheim Oilers series, they indeed do call goaltender interference for wrapping your hands or your, your arms around a goalie's legs, pulling them apart, and then having somebody else shove the puck in. Because, you know, that's goaltender interference, just, I guess, not in that instance against the Oilers. Let's say for argument's sake that the Oilers win that game and win that series. I'm not saying that they beat at Nashville. In fact, with Bob... I was saying because of the Secker injury, I think the Oilers would have lost. Probably. But what if Jordan Eberle scores five goals in six games in that series? Is that where you're going? Precisely. That's my point. Let's say all those guys that did basically nothing in that Anaheim series all of a sudden took off. Did they dismantle the hockey club? Because that's basically what happened after that series is they, they cut... Uh, who they felt they could cut out of the Oilers system and it not be a problem. Well, obviously it was a problem. 
And, and this is how these calls, these bonehead calls, I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> Three goals, it's never been seen before. i got to look at it again just to believe it actually happened. But you should be able to kill off a five-minute power play. You should be able to. But what you said is it never should have happened. Thanks, Mark. Good stuff. Thanks. Okay, we're going to get Craig and Dan in, and then we uh, we want to bring Colton Pareko onto the show as well. Craig, you're up first. Go ahead. Hey, Reese. First, uh, I wanted to start with, I, I do agree that I didn't think it was a, a major penalty at best. Uh, five minute, or reviews for game misconduct. I, one question I got is, how often are they getting kicking players out of the game where it's controversial to this extent? Yeah, probably not so, often. Good point. But, but if, if, if they enacted the rule and said, we're going to review all majors, and well, there's no harm, no foul in terms of overlooking it, but I want to ask, and uh, I don't watch the games in person all that often, but I see co- I often hear on the TV they're talking about the coaches and the players all being a- access to uh, the iPads, uh, the, the tablets on the benches. The rest, why aren't they given that for all the, uh, the stoppage times and uh, when they can be turned it over to? And that brings me back to uh, the NBA. And when they go to give flagrants, they go to review. Yeah, they want that's to make right. Sure they're getting it right. Yeah, and they'll like in the NBA, they'll check to add two tenths of a second onto the clock and all like, that, right? We're all we're all worried about slowing the game down. I don't think that over the course of an eighty-two game season with a thirty-one team league that you are going to drag out uh, an extra thirty minutes worth of game time. You're adding uh, two minutes per 30 games over, uh, what is it, like 1,600 games in the season? So averaging it out, we're not we're not dragging this out. We're getting the game right. We're getting it right for fans, organizations, players, championships, uh, record books. We're, that's what we're aiming to do, right? Good stuff, Craig. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, and final call on this will go to Dan. Hey, Dan. Hey, Reed. How's it going? Good. Reed, I'm what 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 bugs my or chaps me is we got to remember that there's a human element in this stuff here. Yep. And referees, hey, nobody's 100% perfect and all this challenging BS and the video replay and all that, hey, it's slowing down the game. It's getting it less and less interesting to watch. Now, I'm a diehard hockey fan, don't get me wrong, love it. But when I see the, you know, we're going to challenge and all of a sudden this, it's a fraction of an inch offside and they call the goal back, it's ridiculous how much it slows down the game. Well, I'm sure you know how I feel about the offside challenge, Dan. And, well, you, you've, you've heard what I say. I, I would actually get rid of all the video review except on goals. But my point tonight is if you're going to let the coaches challenge, let the referees take a look at it. And the last caller just said there's all this technology available. Why, why not let, let refs have more access to it during games? Well, I, I, I agree with you 100%. Goals should be reviewed. But what's going to happen is we're going to take the human element out so much that we're going to have uh, computers in the game from above. Dan, thanks and for the call. Okay, thanks, buddy. All right. Sorry to cut you short, Dan. We want to bring in Colton Pareko from the St. Louis Blues. St. Albert native doing very well there. He's up after the break. Uh-huh. 
You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. From the St. Louis Blues, defenseman Colton Pareko. Colton, how are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Doing very well. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for fitting us in here as you get ready to face the Dallas Stars. Of course, want to talk about that and some reflections on, on getting by the Jets. But but I got to ask you, Colton, you're in the middle of the playoffs trying to win a Stanley Cup here with the Blues, but two wild Game 7s last night for different reasons. Now, do you sit down and, and watch those when you're involved in the playoffs yourself, or, or how uh, how'd you spend last night? Yeah, uh, for sure I did, did check them out. Um, I mean, they both were were different, that's for sure, like you mentioned. And uh, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, you never really know how the games are going to turn out when you watch, and I think that's the kind of the beauty, and especially at the playoffs, everything's magnified. Um, I mean, that San Jose game, you get five minutes past power play, and uh, they score four, and um, everything is just such – become such a bigger deal when when it's the playoffs in terms of certain plays and every shift matters so um it, it's cool when you watch a playoff hockey like that because uh, especially in game sevens um everything everything matters and um it, it's obviously win or lose uh you go home or you continue to play well, a very dramatic Game 7 San Jose and Vegas, and you guys had some dramatic games against the Winnipeg Jets. Just, I was looking at three of the four games you won. First period, you're down one nothing after two. You win 2-1, got the winner with about two minutes left. Uh, tie game after two periods in Game 2. Ryan O'Reilly gets the goal in the third. You guys win. And then Game 5, you guys get three in the third, including Schwartz's winner with 15 seconds left. So, some tense ones against the Jets. Tell Tell me a little bit about playing those tight games in the series and being able to craft some comebacks. I know you guys have kind of been playing a little bit of comeback hockey all year because of how the first third of the year went for you, but take me through being able to pull off those comebacks and big third periods in the postseason. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, just one of those things where, especially with us, we like you mentioned, we kind of have, have gone through it all season long where we, we struggle a bit early on. Um, I think we were last place, I think, at one point, uh, maybe even in January in the whole league. And um, we just continue to push and push. And um, we started to kind of find our stride. And as we continue to push, we we uh, realized that we, we were really good. And we, we I think we put together an 11-game win streak there. And we just kept pushing and um, found our way in the playoffs. And then we just wanted to continue on continue it on into the playoffs i mean um you mentioned those games we game one we came down from behind in the third uh and then we i think we won with two minutes to go um and then game five i want to say we were down two nothing going into the third and scored three i think we won with 12 seconds left and um no we just have a, a relentless group and i think it's it's a different mentality right now for our group that, than it was at the beginning it's one of those things where we we know we can win and we know that uh we can continue to to push and I think that it's one of those 60 minute things where we we know even though we're down a couple we we got 20 minutes to go in a third to continue to push and make something happen and um, I think we kind of saw that with San Jose even last night where they were down two nothing going into the third and uh, ended up winning so uh yeah I don't know we just kind of continue to be relentless 60 minutes in the playoffs it, it's good we we can need to roll lines I think when we're rolling lines like that too it helps out the whole team game aspect and um, throughout the 60 minute 
period uh, of the game. Colton, I, I want to ask you something here about handling tense moments in a game. You know, I've never been in that situation in the playoffs or in a world championship or other athletes I get to talk to, but I've interviewed a lot of people and, and I've had some men and women tell me, oh, I was terrified. I was terrified of missing a shot or screwing up and other people saying, oh, no, no, I was calm. I, you know, I practiced my whole life. I know what I'm doing. How, how do you handle the intensity and the tense moments uh, and still stay calm? Or, or do you feel calm when you're out there? I don't know. Maybe you don't. <laughs> Yeah, for the most part. I mean, like you mentioned, we kind of we played. I mean, the whole whole life growing up, and you just you understand how magnified it all becomes when when you're game seven overtime or when when the playoffs are on the line and, and you're in an elimination game. But um, that's one of those things where you kind of got to block out everything um, as hard as it, as it is in the playoffs to kind of block out all the noise. But just take take everything that you've learned and all the all the things that you've kind of taught yourself and have been taught throughout your years and just put them to use because uh this is kind of the biggest part part of the time so i think that honestly it's it's fun to play in those moments because um you got to be confident uh, i think once you kind of start hesitating and things like that that's when it becomes more dangerous so you just got to trust yourself know that uh you've you've done all the prep work you've done everything to put yourself in this position and you belong there so you want to continue to push and um there's no reason that you shouldn't be there so um you want to make sure to not be hesitant and just keep pushing forward. Colton Pareko from the St. Louis Blues joining us on Inside Sports. They'll open their series against Dallas tomorrow. Colton, can you can you put into words or describe it for people listening the the shift from regular season hockey to playoff hockey? Or are there one or two things that really stand out to you that you could summarize? Uh, yeah, I think I kind of mentioned earlier. I just think that uh, just every shift kind of becomes magnified every every play is just that much bigger in the playoffs um especially when when the games are so close every game uh no i'm I can't say every game but a lot of the games are gonna be one goal games and um everybody's continues to push and um i don't know i think that's kind of the biggest thing is just everything is it's so tight um and you just really got to take care of care of your opportunities make sure you take advantage of your opportunities because they're there's not as many as there would be in the regular season. So um, when you have the opportunity to capitalize, especially on uh, special teams, um, I think special teams is a big part of success in the, in the playoffs, um, power play, penalty kill. Um, th- th- those things are definitely magnified. Okay. Uh, I know I asked you about this guy when we talked a few weeks ago, but I, I got to ask you about him again because he is just not slowing down, and, and that is your goaltender, Jordan Bennington. You don't go deep in the postseason without great goaltending. You know, I, I know he's he, he's new to a lot of fans, I, I think, because this is the first season he's got a lot of playing time in the NHL, but, I mean, he's not 20 and straight out of junior, but, you know, what is, what is his demeanor like? He had the chance, uh, whatever the, it was, you looked nervous or in Winnipeg that, <laughs> yeah, he battled through that. Just tell me a little bit about his uh, demeanor and, and uh, being your backbone back there. Yeah, it's it's been fun to watch him do his thing. He's he's came in for us kind of midway through the season, and he's he's just kind of stepped in, and it's looked like he's been there for so many years, and he's he's confident back there. The way that he does things, it's it's impressive, and um, he's just staying humble and uh, continues to work and get get the job done. So. Um, it, it's cool for him, obviously, uh, just to kind of step in like that. And he's been in the organization for a while, and kind of to get called up and, and step into that role is it's huge for him, and obviously huge for our team. So 
um, it definitely is his confidence booster for everyone. And we're, uh, we're looking forward to kind of continue to watch him do his thing. He's been a huge part of our, our success. And, um, yeah, it's been great, uh, definitely, for, for him to be having this kind of success. Now, did you know what the Winnipeg fans were, were chanting, or could you not even hear that when you're, <laughs> when you're up there on the end? No, I could hear them. They were chanting it pretty loud. I could hear that. It was, I, I, I was kind of laughing um, <laughs> when they started. And then, actually, in St. Louis in game six, I believe they started chanting it, too. So, I don't know. It was kind of funny. All right. Uh, last one for you. you. You know your opponent. I know you've been getting ready, probably uh, watching some video and film, and I know there's probably some things you're, you're not going to share with me. But uh, give, give me what you can on the uh, scouting report of the Dallas Stars here. Yeah, they're good. I mean, obviously, they, they've got good forwards. They've got good defense that are active. There's no secret there. And obviously, their goaltending is playing really well, too. Or the goaltender's playing really well, and um, they're a really good team. They they work extremely hard, and I think that that's kind of the best part of their game is that they work hard, um, and then they have an attack mentality. So um, there's a lot of tactical things that I mean I could kind of go over or whatever, but um, that's kind of I think the main part of their their game is they continue to push. They come in waves. If you've been watching their first series, they once they get something going, they continue to kind of keep rolling and rolling. So uh, it's just going to be a matter of making sure we. We stop those stop those uh, chances that they get because um, I think that that's going to be important uh, not to let them continue to do that. But no, they, like I said, they they've got really good forwards that that are good scorers. They they battle hard um, and and they they're opportunistic. I feel like so uh, as far as their demon go, they they're active. They they got a few um, really good offensive def- defensemen that'll jump in the play and also in the offensive zone they'll move around so um no they just got a good combination of players and things like that so uh we definitely got to show them a lot of respect and make sure that we we continue to to play our game because obviously we we're a really good hockey team as well so we expect three good series um we're excited to start tomorrow uh and uh we're looking forward forward to it for sure well, Colton, I really appreciate you coming on here for uh, for an update. Uh, obviously, a lot of people in Edmonton and area are, are watching you really closely, and, and they're happy for your success. And I, and I know last summer you, you came in studio and did a segment with me on Inside Sports. I hope we can do that again, though I know you're hoping to delay it as long as possible. So, <laughs> so thanks. Yeah, for that. well, hopefully that's the plan, but I would, I would love to come back in studio for sure. Uh, it would be great. Sounds like a plan. Colton Pareko, defenseman for the St. Louis Blues on Inside Sports tonight. Going to the third in Washington. Capitals up 3-2 on Carolina. Kelly Rudy, when we get back. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. Oil Kings and Raiders scoreless two minutes left in the first period of Rogers Place. Third period about to start in Game 7. Capitals leading the Hurricanes 3-2. The Blue Jays lost earlier today 4-0 to the Giants. The St. Albert Slash at the SO Cup, the female midget AAA National Championship Tournament in Sudbury, winning today 4-0 over Halifax. They have one round-robin game remaining, but they have clinched a spot in the semifinals. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Our weekly guest, former NHL goaltender, now with the NHL on Rogers, Kelly Rudy. Kelly, what's the mood in Toronto today? Well, you know, I kind of stay out of the fray. I have to admit, it was uh, quite hectic, as you can imagine, last night and chaotic and any sort of descriptive word you want to come up with because, uh, you know, they, the Leafs fans, I think this year more than the last uh, couple of years, had higher hopes. They really thought that they should be a team at the 
pretty far in the playoffs, and uh, so the disappointment of last night was uh, pretty enormous. And, uh, you know, I try and stay away from a lot of the chatter on social media, but uh, from what I gather, is quite the firestorm and people uh, spewing all sorts of uh, venom and saying a whole bunch of really ruthless things, and, and so I guess that just pretty much tells you the temperature here in the city. Well, you know, two really good teams going at it. Maybe Toronto cursed a little bit here by being in that in that division. But in terms of Game 7, Kelly, I want to ask you about a couple of things. First of all, you know, I thought Freddie Anderson has had a great couple of seasons with the Leafs. Yes. That first yeah. goal, though, man, that, that was a tough one. You know, you, you've got to learn how to uh, deal with those situations. Nobody would deny uh, or argue what you said about his uh, play here in Toronto. He's been fabulous. He's been the backbone of the team. There's no question about it. Uh, he's one of the reasons why they've uh, made such great strides in the last uh, couple of years. But unfortunately, Game 7s are different, and uh, they affect people differently. And his record, uh, and I'm not only going by the record, but uh, his play also has not been great. He's 0-4 in Game 7s, and, uh, you know, you have to seriously look at that. Like, what's wrong? And and not to pin blame, but if I'm the organization moving forward, I've got to find a way to help him. And, and that's the key. Not to blame him, not to get mad at him, not to move past him and say, hey, we need something new, because he's... Uh, clearly a tremendous goaltender and a tremendous asset, but he needs some help. And so I think that that would be my number one course of action. Kelly, it's interesting. Uh, almost four years ago, Todd McClellan and Mike Babcock were hired just a couple of days apart. And uh, McClellan obviously was up for coach of the year after the Oilers made the playoffs. He was fired a third of the way into this season. And yeah. uh, now Babcock is uh, getting criticized in, in Toronto for, you know, everything from usage of, of certain players, maybe not adjusting enough throughout the series. Look, when you lose, everything's going to get picked apart and analyzed. I, I'm just wondering what you thought of how Babcock handled that series and, and maybe handled some specific things in Game 7. Yeah, you know, um, I, I look at it two different ways. I, I look at uh, trying to uh, uh, sort of break down what happened and why it happened in a negative way. And then I also look, okay, but what happened positively throughout the course of the season? And, and were there some improvements? And, and so you got to try and balance the, the two. When I look at uh, in-game management, uh, clearly to me, um, I would have played Matthews a whole lot more in the third period. Last night, I think when there is like, I don't know, three, four minutes to go, Matthews had only played just around three minutes in the third. That's not enough. And then his, his minutes got boosted late in the period. Uh, that's not good enough for me when you have a player of that magnitude and, and a game breaker and you're trailing in the game. Uh, you know, he knows the players better than I do. He knows the mindset. Some of the decisions, uh, maybe they're not necessarily his, but, you know, Zaitsev had a decent playoff, but I'm not sure why they rely on him so heavily. I, I personally don't rate him as high as uh, they do. There's a couple other decisions. Uh, Nylander, to me, is a wonderful talent, ridiculous skill level, but I wouldn't play him as much because he has to learn how to compete. And so those are the, the negatives. The positives are when you look at the growth of some of the other players, the uh, improved defense, say Matthews, whereas he was clearly a liability last year, 
I think in this playoff series, you notice a big improvement in his play in his own zone, more competitive. Uh, he's still a big man that doesn't use his size, his size as much as you'd like, but you can always work on adding that maybe next year. Uh, there are, I mean, Morgan Riley took huge strides this year. In fact, I thought his playoff series was magnificent. That was a pleasure to watch, to see how determined of a player he is. And you'll think about Morgan Riley as a really offensive-minded guy, which he is, but boy, did he ever uh, dig in defensively. He was tough to play against. I think of that uh, play against Jake, uh, Jake DeBrusque in the third period in game six where he stripped him of the puck and then pounded him into the uh, end board. So lots of good things. I think often in a in, – well, I guess in any city – you can't be swayed by emotion. That's what's uh, going on here in the city of Toronto right now. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports as he does every week. Okay, the other game. <laughs> Man, it's wow, funny. Wow, right? I, you know, I, I was talking to, and I think a few people might have done this. I, I got a colleague here at work who works more, you know, uh, more day hours, and he, and he said he went to bed, didn't know what happened until this morning. Yep, yep, you know? yep. And uh, obviously, you know, you, I watched it, and you, you were part of the broadcast crew for that. Uh, the, the, the penalty itself. I know I have an idea I'm going to pitch to you in a second, but first of all, that play, and and I know I know you can sit there and say, well, don't allow four goals on a five-minute power play, but man, you're yep. not in that situ you're not in that situation without that call. And I just, Kelly, I, I don't even see a two-minute penalty there, let let alone a five. I'm with you. Although I would have been okay with a two-minute penalty. I mean, it would have been. It is kind of an exaggeration to even say that there's a cross check. But you have calls like that that could go either way throughout every single game. So I would have been okay um, considering what happened to Pavelski and how it looked and all that if they were just said, okay, you know what? From my vantage point, it looked like a cross-check. I'm going with a cross-check, and, and that's the severity of the punishment. But a five-minute penalty was way uh, over the top. It, it, was, it, it doesn't even warrant anything like that. And so I'm hoping that uh, it's somewhere like, I don't know if you watched our broadcast post game, but we were talking uh, or between the intermissions, I can't remember, but we were talking about the fact that video replay should be allowed for the officials and in that circumstance under those conditions, I think it'd be great if they could do that. Well, I, I did hear that. I enjoyed hearing you guys talk during the intermission and, I, and I'm going to take it to this, to this step, Kelly. And yep. okay, so they can coaches can challenge offside, and and I was I was saying last yep. night on the show when I when you watch a hockey game now when a when a guy scores a goal they don't cut to the celebrating team anymore they cut to the coach that was scored on and he's looking down yeah. at the monitor yeah, by right, his feet like right, it's, it's right. so they can yep. challenge for offside which I hate they yep. can challenge for goal yep. interference which I tolerate a little more but I don't like. So if they, but so, but if the NHL is so obsessed with let's get it right, let's get it right, let's look at one centimeter on offsides, let's add some more drama to it. Let's give the officials a challenge. Give the officials one challenge a game, where they get together and say we need to look at this because something happened and a guy is bleeding through his helmet and that's scary. Yeah. But none of yeah. us saw it. So we, I mean, look, if we're going to use replay, take give the officials yeah. the guys who are actually making a call. Give them one challenge yeah. per game. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a fantastic idea. Uh, I, From what I gather, talking to people today and listening to Elliot, um, there's not much of an appetite for more video uh, replay from the general managers. 
But I still think that it has to be tweaked. Uh, I just think that when we've gone down this road a few years ago about video replay, now that we have, let's just let's just get it right. You know, um, that's the most important thing. And now I'm with you. I don't want it to, you don't want every single play to be reviewed. You don't want five reviews a period. You don't want three reviews a period. But in really crucial situations like last night, they should have an opportunity to look at it. The four of them gather and say, hey, listen, you know what? That that was the incorrect call. Let's make this the call and then make sure those four guys are comfortable with it. Because it did have uh, an impact on the game. Whether you want to say that they shouldn't have given up four goals in four minutes and one second on the power play, that's accurate as well. But I think the bigger impact was the penalty itself. Would it be, like, how much of a sag would that be mentally for a team not just to be assessed a penalty that they probably know they didn't deserve, but also to be scored on, like, what was it, six seconds into the power play or whatever it was? You know what, Reed? That was the key. It wasn't that they were scored upon at some point. If it would have been two and a half minutes or three minutes, I think that would have had a, a way different uh, impact on the game and their mindset. But that was six seconds into it, and that it came so easily for San Jose. Uh, you could just see it all unraveling completely. Then they score shortly thereafter on the beautiful redirect by Hurdle, and I, I'm sure you, like I was. I was like, okay, well, they're going to score a third, and I wouldn't be surprised if they took the lead on this. It was just, you could just tell from the body language that everything was going south for Vegas at that point. Well, Kelly, uh, always entertaining and a lot to talk about, regardless of how it got there. Hey, thanks for checking yeah, in, right? man. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the end of the first round tonight, and we'll talk during round two next week. Okay, thanks, Reed. Take that is Kelly Rudy checking in. Jordan Stahl has tied it for the Hurricanes 3-3 against Washington. 12 and a half minutes to go. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Hey, here's something cool. Caller number three gets a pair of 18-hole golf passes to the Ranch Golf and Country Club, now open for the season. A championship-caliber course. Proud to have hosted several Canadian Tour events. 780-496-0063. And how fitting... Joining us now, the GM and executive golf professional from the ranch, it's my buddy Murray McCourt. Murray, how are things, man? Very good. How about you? I'm doing I'm doing great. Glad to be talking some golf. Uh, I'm going to get out there to the ranch very soon, obviously, and uh, I think, well, I'll, I'll keep some things under wraps, but I think we got another promotion with you guys coming up, so that'll be cool this summer as well. How, how long have you been open now? Two weeks today. It's been... Uh... It's been good. Been, I mean, the weather hasn't been flawless, but hey, we're open and uh, people are out playing and enjoying the course, so we couldn't be happier right now. Well, and I believe from talking to you and other pros, about two to two weeks earlier opening than last season. Does that sound right? Correct. We opened April 10th last year. We opened April 26th. The year before, we opened April 28th. So compared to the last couple of years, it's uh, it's a very early opening, but you know it's a lot more normal. Uh, three years ago, we opened April second, so oh, wow. you know it's a it's a hit and miss. The, the last couple of years have been been late, but uh, you know I, I would always like to say that between the fifteenth and twentieth is a very normal open, so maybe slightly earlier than normal. But compared to the last years, this has been unbelievable. Take me through the the either the challenges or the benefits of the type of the winter we had because we had some really mild times and then we got some late snow in in march and it was you know kind of cold around christmas time right so 
you know, it, it's it's really hit and miss right now with, uh, with golf courses and conditions. Uh, uh, some golf courses haven't even opened yet, so it's not all out there what the, what the conditions are like around the city so far. But you know, we're very fortunate, and some other courses too. I've been hearing of uh, wintered unbelievably well, and you know, our our greens. I was playing with. Uh, you know, from Global, Kevin Kears the other day, we were playing, and, and about the fourth or fifth hole, he goes, you know what, your greens now are better than 70% of the greens were in Edmonton last year in July. And and so that we rented that good. It's it's really unbelievable. We're so happy. Our, our Derek, our superintendent, and his team have done an absolutely outstanding job. And, and you know, I, I, like I said, we just couldn't be happy right now. The conditions are great, and people are just loving uh, the, the conditions right now at, at the course and enjoying their time when they're out there playing. Really like the variety of the course. Uh, I think it's a very uh, fair test of golf. And the, and the way I the way I use that word, Murray, is I don't hit the ball a long way. But if I put the ball somewhere in the fairway, I want to have an angle to make a successful shot the next time. Uh, some courses are just, just seem obsessed with making holes as long as possible, and I don't know if that helps the average golfer. But uh, I, you know, I, I like yours. If I didn't hit a good shot, okay, I might have to scramble a little bit. Uh, but if I'm having a day where I'm relatively straight, you, you know, I'm, I'm going to have situations where I can hit irons into greens, and that's all I want. Yeah, and I'll tell you something that's going on at the ranch right now that we haven't really been talking about a whole lot yet because uh, we're waiting until it's all done to to really get the big word out. But, you know, the listeners that are right there are going to hear it kind of first. We're in the midst right now of a, of a major bunker renovation project at the ranch. Every single bunker on the golf course is either getting eliminated or fully renovated. And... Uh, we're going to go like that. You know, the ranch is an unbelievable golf course, as you said, but the one knock that people have had on it is the bunkers and them not being, you know, the best. But when this project is done, we're going to have the best bunkers in the city. But one of those uh, areas that you're talking about is the bunkers that are getting eliminated are are the bunkers that are impacting the guy that doesn't hit it uh, uh, crazy far. And so it's going to make the course more playable for the newer golfer or the guy that doesn't hit it as far, but still going to be the same old ranch and crazy difficult for those that do hit the ball out there uh, further because that's where some of those bunkers are going to come more into play, and we're taking away those bunkers that uh, that don't impact the bombers. So, uh, you know, it's we're making some changes that are just going to be, be great and make the place more enjoyable for everybody. All right, well, Jason won the golf passes, so congratulations to him. Murray, let people know where they can get you out online, uh, where they can check you out online so they can uh, find out more about the course and book tee times. You bet. So uh, our website's theranchgolf.com. You can book online at your course called the Pro Shop, 804704700. Murray, great to have you on the show, man. We'll have to talk again soon. You bet. Take care. That is Murray McCourt checking in from the Ranch Golf and Country Club, and congratulations to Jason. We're giving away more passes tomorrow. Five and a half minutes left in Washington. Game 7, 3-3 between the Capitals and the Hurricanes. Overtime looming. Oil Kings, Raiders, no score into the second period at Rogers Place. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, the studio producer this evening. Thanks to everybody to listening for listening. Fun show. My name's Reed Wilkins. Have a great night. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.